Welcome in, welcome all to the first of many, the OCIC podcast. We are your hosts. I am Joe Spar with Tanner Hess and Nolan McNulty here. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Folks, doing well, how are you? This is fun, so that we're doing something new here. We are going to do this probably like once a month. We're going to sit down, the three of us, in separate states, separate cities, and we're Social distancing. Yeah, we're we're taking social distancing to an extreme max right now. We're staying like hundreds of miles apart. So I want to commend you guys on that. <laughs> no, happy to do it. Just for the sake of the union. That's for the sake of the union for sure. <laughs> so, Joe, you're feeling a little under the weather this week. You sure I don't, wasn't? You know, COVID nineteen. If the government's listening, I feel great. Um, I don't <laughs> really think we need to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Really what we're here to talk about, if I may, is the OCIC golf outing, which we is, is near and dear to all of us, um, if I may speak for you guys. Of course. So ultimately what we want to do here is we are trying to garner and generate excitement year-round for our uh, lovely golf tournament that Tanner and Nolan do such a wonderful job of putting on every year. So I reached out to these two lovely fellows that I'm speaking with today. And by lovely, I actually mean not really lovely. You not lovely. <laughs> I mean not lovely. Got it. Look, I'll, I'll take lovely. Grizzly, manly fellas with decent facial hair and, and okay haircuts. Appreciate yeah. you. You know, so I don't know. What do you guys think? What are we going to talk about here? What are we, what are we doing? I think you said it, Joe. It's like we're – we're building anticipation for the best, frankly, in my, in my summer, it's the best weekend of my summer. And that's, I think that excitement is only garnered through what we're going to do here. So it's, it's through talking with uh, different players. It's through talking about what, what we are going to anticipate for the season to come, um, get a little behind the scenes look with how we're prepping and those sorts of things. Like, I think it'd be a really good way to get people really pumped up and ready for such an awesome event. Yeah. So let me feed off of that. I too, this is like the weekend that I look forward to all year round, you know, and I don't know how many other outings and, and regular sorts of things you guys do. But for me, this is the one outing that getting back with the college buds and playing a little golf, having a few brewskis, driving drunk carts, that sort of thing. This <laughs> <laughs> this is um so yeah i just wanted to kind of help build a little content and excitement around the the event and i think you guys are on the same page with me there so uh the other thing we're gonna do you know as this goes and we're kind of figuring it out as we go but you know obviously the the roots of this tournament kind of revolve around the, the fellows that we know that went to ud with us so we're going to talk about you know in the off season especially ongoings at, at UD and, and when there's riots, we're going to talk about riots at UD because that's stuff hits home for us and for the guys who won't be listening to this, which is the guys who go to our event, your event every year. It's our event. 
perspective. Uh, I call it. <laughs> we're you guys, you guys do so much work behind the scenes, and we're going to talk about that too here in a little bit, and, and more so in, in the coming months leading up to our tournament here. But you guys do a lot of work behind the scenes, and, and you deserve credit for that. So I, I just want to make that point. But oh, with thanks, with what's going on right now, what we have to talk about, we can't just not talk about is. Obviously, we've got the COVID-19 situation and the states shutting down, the whole country really shutting down, people staying home. And and that, you know, in turn affected what was the best UD basketball season that we have ever seen in our lives. And I don't even know if they've had a year where they've only lost two games going back historically forever. Yeah, it it still stings, Joe. I, I don't know. Like, what was so? I want to know what your guys's first. What was your when you first thought? Oh shit, they might cancel the tournament. How did you feel? Or like, what was your reaction? Um, Tanner, if you, is it okay that I start? I'm gonna go ahead and start. No, go ahead and start, please. Okay, I'll go ahead and kick things off. Yeah, as soon as like the A10 tournament got canceled, it like I you could kind of see the writing on the wall. I feel like there was just, there was so much happening so quickly and you saw the NBA canceling. And then, you know, I can't remember the actual timeline. If like the NHL or MLB made their announcements before the tournament, I think it was all on the same day, but um, it like, I'm as a person, Joe and Tanner, I'm I'm a very delayed processor. And so things don't hit me like a ton of bricks. They hit me like one brick at a time. So I like, was in just disbelief. I just, I could not believe it. And it wasn't until like the weekend and then what would have been selection Sunday, where it really set in. I was just like, Oh man, just, this is the most tragic thing. It's also the most Dayton thing that's ever fucking like (laughs) one year we have the most legitimate chance to actually win a national title is the year that no one gets to fucking do it. <laughs> like that, there's nothing more. Dating and and to add on top of that, having the AP player of the year and coach of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal. And a big shout out to Jordan Aarons. I uh, wanted to just make sure that you know that, that Anthony Grant, of course, is the AP coach of the year, probably going to be with coach of the year as well. Um, Jordan had a very cold take earlier in the season and, um, I think all the statistics proved him wrong, which is just making me super happy. And Jordan Aaron's, of course, our social media chair. <laughs> right. So a little bit of hate going on there. Not sure this is the place for that, Nolan. Oh, it's not. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not hate. No, no, no. It's it, no. It's. I mean, it's just <clears throat> just being really, really feeling good about the coach we have in place, and not trying to hear anyone else's bulls spit bull spit no i will say i don't i think jordan's usually like the last guy to come around to a good a good hire or like a a good player uh just coming from experience there sometimes it just takes time you know when you love something so much and you just want it to succeed sometimes you just you have to be sure i'm happy to be on that journey with him i really am i'm happy to be along for that journey tanner you were mentioning wasn't mentioning any, anything yet. <laughs> okay, but, so uh, the the first thing that crossed my mind, first of all, before we talk about cancellations, they were talking about playing games with no fans. And to right. me, it's it would be worse to do that than to have to just cancel it outright. I mean, can you imagine? Right. Like these guys are used to playing in front of arenas, you know, full of thousands and thousands of people especially during march madness and and to not have any fans there would be just insane yeah i was gonna say dayton's used to playing at la salle so they were right at home with 
Okay, that. but on a larger scale. So I, when it first came out that they were, you know, not going to have fans, I'm going. There's no way they're going to do all this traveling, all these people have no fans and have these kids play. And then, of course, the inevitable came and they canceled it all. And and like you said, it was just the shock and awe of just like, of course, you know, this is the year this would happen. It had to be this year when they went 28 and two or whatever the hell the record was. You know, and just had everything, all the success ripped out from underneath them. It was the most, like you said, Nolan, the most Dayton thing that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. 29 and then, two, Joe. <laughs> thank you for the fact check there. Yeah. I don't, uh, my research is, uh, the dog ate it. So I'm, uh, going from memory here. Did Tanner give his take? I, I, I I'm not, I don't did, know if I Tanner, do you have it. a take or what, what's going on? No, it didn't. I just, you know, I work on the second floor of my office and right by a window and the window was, I was opening the window as the news was coming out. Cause you know, I was, I was going to jump. So, Oh, there, uh, I was, I was having a couple people move, move cars <laughs> below. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to jump on, you know, land on any cars. I wanted straight pavement. So that's kind of how I was taking the news that day at work. So we, we've, we've gotten better. We've gotten better. We've, accepted the fact of what's going on right now and just kind of take it for what it's worth, you know, and then enjoy the season that was. I got another take I want to run by you guys because this is what dawned on me. Like, I don't know, I had a week maybe to to sort of digest this and, and be upset and, and angry. And then, you know, I don't know what the phases of grieving are, but I think this is towards the end. At some point I came to feel like maybe this was the best thing that could have happened for Dayton season. Mm-hmm. And you probably mm-hmm. maybe wow. heard this from elsewhere before. I don't know. But my thought is more than likely this was going to end with a massive disappointment instead of hoisting the championship or something like that, which I don't know. Everyone has a different take on what would have deemed this year a success. But I think because of all the hype, if they they didn't at least get to the final four, you know, everyone was going to say, oh, they, they, you know, it was a letdown. You know, they didn't live up to the hype. They didn't meet the expectations. But now, because it never got played, in our minds, there's always this chance that they were going to win the championship. There was always going to be still that possibility that they would have won it all somehow, some way, even though more likely than not, you know, there's 64 teams in this tournament. And especially this year, there's probably 24 that could have won it, you know, realistically. More likely than not, it wasn't going to be Dayton. And that may just be my slightly pessimistic view of it. But I think in a, in a funny way, it's like a good thing almost. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? Well, I think it's interesting. I never want to think about that, but like, yeah, now we, like no one, I, I don't know how to articulate it. I know what you're trying to say. I know what you're saying, Joe. It's like no one can take anything away because the answer was, well, no one knows what would have happened. And maybe the validation of, you know, Coach Grant and OB getting player of the year um, maybe further says that we, I, I, I don't know. I, I know what you're trying to say. I just can't articulate how it's said, but there's an argument that could be probably made that if we would have played and some team would have shot the lights out, like, or we play someone that, you know, can bang bodies in the middle. Like we're, that's, that was kind of our Achilles heel all year. And like, we knew we were going to see some sort of talent like that. And there was always that question of that. Have we played enough competition that would prepare us for 
the tournament. So you're right. It's like the, the, the consolation of not knowing is almost a victory in itself because I don't know. I, there's not a good take on my end. It's what, just, let, let me ask you this. Do you take, if I give you one choice or the other, do you take losing in the first round to a 16 seed over not playing the tournament because of what happened? What a great question. Um, it's a classic. Would you rather see what I did there? It is. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Well, I, okay. I think for that, I would say if we, if, if it was literally lose to a 16 seed or not play the tournament and have a, you know, have a one seed, I would pick having the one seed and have, you know, the rest be up to fate or whatever. But if you talk about it, at like sweet 16 like when i basically when i went to this season i said to myself dude it's sweet 16 or bust like this is the year that it's sweet 16 or bust and i think until we played kansas it wasn't like oh shit like no 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 we're like actually legit so i think if the question was lose in the round of 32 or do this like that would be a harder thing for me um i'd be like ah oh, fuck that would probably probably say like no we didn't play a tournament and then um, why can't I think about how to articulate this? Tanner, <laughs> help a, me out here. It's a anything. tough situation. Uh, I don't know what you're trying to say, Noel, but I would rather not play the tournament than lose the first yeah, game. See, I'm with you. I think, I think, I don't think that would have happened, first of all, but, you know, again, we'll never right. know. But if I have, if I have the choice, I'm going to take, you know, I don't want to be that Virginia losing as a number one seed. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to have that legacy. Well, Joe, also the beauty of how the season ended was kind of magical, too, because with college game day and like all the hype that was around that coming to the campus and as exciting as that was and how we beat, you know, George Washington and how great of a game Obi had and kind of how he went out and the seniors went out like it was kind of a great cap to what an amazing year it was. So we did go out on a very, very high note and, and a pleasant write off, if you will in that sense so like yeah it, it makes the sting a little less i suppose knowing how we ended it yeah i think it still don't have the right words what i was trying to say is like ignorance is bliss or like not knowing is bliss is what i was trying to say it's like there's there's comfort in not having to fear stepping on a landmine i think is what i was trying to articulate that i still can't but you're right and even i think tanner uh like extrapolating outside of that, it was also the last Saturday for students on campus. Mm. Uh, so not just the team, the last game and game day, but that was like the last day where the entire student body was, was there for, on a Saturday, which is really sad. But at the same time that, I mean, I, I was there just cause I was there for the game. That day was a blast, you know, to see everyone in like Dayton flyer gear day drinking like that's something that had never happened when we were there like people day drink or you go to the game right it, there wasn't any of this overlapping and, and this year was the first time at least that i have seen where there was such a community aspect related to the game that wasn't a crazy out of nowhere win against you know ohio state or a crazy out of nowhere win against syracuse like it was a real uh love for this team knowing how special it was and yeah that's like almost even more sad to me that those seniors who are students had their last day on campus without even knowing. Yeah, that's it. another that's a whole nother thing is imagine, you know, that's your senior year or your fifth year have not only the basketball season that occurred and got ripped away and then you just literally lose your last four or five weeks on campus that are 
generally speaking, probably your four or five best party weeks of your entire career on campus. Not to rub it in, you know, to anybody, but but can you even imagine that feeling? Oh, and like leaving school without knowing that you're not coming back. So like the whole idea of saying goodbye to people and having closure for whatever you need to have closure, like none of that, that was just stripped away because now they're just not allowed back on campus. And oh, it just, it breaks yeah, my heart. It's terrible. I would love to talk about next year, though. Your thoughts on the potential for next year? I think it's going to be a great academic year. <laughs> yeah, a lot of new courses on the load. <laughs> the curriculum will be that much more fine tuned. Well, obviously they lost uh, Obi for the year, right? Are there any other major losses? Well, you can. Landers uh, is a senior, I, so he'll be gone. Right, Mike Sell. Mike Sell. Um, and Crutcher declared for the draft today. Did but he really? I think that's really just to get. Yeah, similar to how Obi and like Chuck Cook did it, just to get some oh, reps and get some one of those NFL one of those and... NFL scouts. Really, is that how it works in the NFL as well? No, you said NFL scouts. That's NFL. Sorry, NBA. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, so they're they're We're doing anyways. They're doing the old. Maybe <laughs> I can make it. Let me see what the scouts tell me, and then I can still come back to school. Yeah. Delio. Exactly. Yep. As long as he doesn't hire an agent, he's still keeping his eligibility, which frankly, I think is a great move sure. um, because I think he's, I don't really know a lot of the landscape of what it means to be a good point guard in the NBA, but you got to be quick. I'm not sure. I think he's relatively quick. He's probably at steps slower than most other NBA players. He can shoot the lights out from any position, which is incredible. Let me tell you what Jalen Crutcher um, has. I'd be curious to see if you like Go ahead. Balls. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's got a big old set of nuts between his legs, and I don't know how he plays basketball with those. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I think between Joe and Tanner, you probably would have more of an understanding of like what it takes to play at that level. I just don't, but I just know he's good as hell at shooting. He can find ways to score around the rim. But do you think he'd, he'd be a, a viable option in the NBA? Knowing that Scucci had probably the same level of skill set, but similar in not very tall and not as quick as some of the others. Like, what do you think Jalen's chances are playing him at the next level? Defensive liability for sure. Like mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to defend any NBA point guards or anything like that yeah, right now. Undersized yeah, I think I, I think and under athletic is what I would say. Yeah, yeah. For the NBA. Although you saw that dunk against VCU though. You got some hops. <laughs> Um, hey Nolan, what what do you think about next year for Dayton basketball? Yeah, happy to happy to weigh in. Um, I think it's a tournament team. I can't say anything about our success in tournament. I really do think having Jalen come back, having him run the have the offense run through him, having guys like Ivy Watson. It was, it was kind of a shame to see Ivy like go cold and then turn on the Jets right at the right time. Like he was getting his shot back like the last two games of the regular season and he was about to have a really big march. Um, but I think if he can get more consistent with his shooting and his scoring ability, that's a great offensive weapon to have. He'll likely start next year. Um, it remains to be seen about who we're going to have inside. Like I did love Jordy's uh, progression throughout the year Shaminga. and his presence inside Shaminga. Uh, I think he can really contribute in a big way next year. So it, you look at that, you look at teams that are, I think we're a top three team in the A-10, and I think uh, squeaking that large bid is very possible. Um, we have 
a pretty uh, low-key uh, invitational tournament next year. I don't even know who's in it because I don't remember who's in it, but like we are by far the most marquee team in that tournament. So the hope is that we end up, you know, stealing three games or four games away there. I don't know. I think I feel really confident that we can still be competitive at the top tier of the Atlantic 10. And um, if we can take care of business, I, I do think an large bid is possible. Now with Sweet 16, I mean, that, that would be gravy, but I do think getting to the tournament is, should be the goal for next year and is very possible to get to. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any doubt that they will. I think uh, that the success of this year and, and just in the past, you know, 10 years in general, I think, kind of making the tournament is the new standard now for Dayton teams. So yeah. I think it's fair to expect that year in and year out and and knowing what they have coming back and, you know, with this coaching staff and I would ex- fully expect that they're definitely in the national conversation next year. I don't know if they'll be, you know, ranked throughout the year and that sort of thing. It was a special year this year. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. I wish it happened while we were in school, but Hey, <laughs> take what you can get uh we had some fun years while we were there obviously you know we had our all our riots up and down key favor so it was all good we did indeed joe any thoughts about getting season tickets next year any thoughts season tickets probably not going to i don't know if i'd make it out for enough of them i like it in theory but yeah i just don't think i would have the drive to be driving out no pun intended to be driving out to dayton that often but well, I drive double the time you would have to drive, and I make it. So I know, and that is why you are our resident Dayton basketball expert, Nolan. So consider that a title well earned. Mm. Have you gone back in the arena at all since the renovations? Only through the uh, 3D virtual flyovers. <laughs> it. It's it's ob- I mean it's obviously worth the trip next season to go to to a game just in general. But they've done such an awesome job with the arena. And it, I mean, UD Arena has always been like special for us, but like this, it just seems like a legitimate arena now. Like the way that it's set up and how they cut out underneath so you can get to your seats more like a just a typical like bowl type place or type uh, setup. And then they have this Bud Light landing area at the very top that like next year I will literally live up there. It is so cool. They have like this, just this deck area where it's standing room only. And looking out of the court, and they have, I think, two separate like Bud Light stands up there, and it's just sweet. It's just awesome. So I love what they ended up doing with the the UD Arena. And Tan, you got a chance to take a peek at, at the UD Arena uh, for the Fordham game, did you not? First time in four years, baby. It was it was it was nice. I enjoyed it. Thanks, man. <laughs> they tried me out. It was nice. I enjoyed it. <laughs> That's like uh, those are like third grade responses, like. <laughs> I was the sun. It is bright. I like it. <laughs> yeah, team played well, got the win, and uh, went home happy. Tanner, who do you think Dayton team the Dayton team needs right away for next year? Like, who would be a great grad transfer pickup? Because I don't think a guard is anything we need to touch for next year in terms of immediate impact. Well, that's what. It's hard with the grad transfers, like I've mentioned before, where they're expected to come in and contribute immediately, you know, and historically grad transfers don't perform as good as well as they have in their previous schools because of that change of culture and change of place. So mm-hmm. there's that pressure on them to come in and do well. So that's why I don't even know. I mean, there's a ton of grad transfers in the market right now and they've been committing tons of places, but 
I don't know. I don't see anybody that we're after grad transfer wise. Like I said, there's a couple other transfers in the market that would be key for us, but they're a sit one year, play two, sit one year, play three. So I don't know that there's anybody immediately eligible this year to step right in and help us out. I don't know. So absolutely love it. I love your answer there, Tanner. What I asked, well, I think you answered what I asked, but I think if I can sharpen the pencil on the question a little bit, outside of the reality of who actually is available and who is on the wa- the, the waiver, not waiver wire, the transfer wire, a ma- like what do we magic need? wand, like if someone, yeah, what, what is Dayton, what's, what's our heel next year? Like, is it an inside presence? Is it a athletic three? Like what's, what, what does Dayton really long for? I think the obvious answer is that stretch four, like Obi was, you know, that's kind of what Grant has predicated his offense on now is a big guy, athletic guy that can stretch the floor on those, those, you know, power forwards and centers. So um, losing a guy like Obi that was so versatile, you Mm -hmm. know, and his ability to pick and roll and also pass very well and dish it out and shoot the, be able to, shoot the three every now and then like that's that's the guy you need in that offense and we're yeah. obviously losing Obi. we don't have anyone to replace him right now at least immediately obvious and then the lineup to do that that's uh, that's gonna be the big that's why i think we just we need a good stretch athletic four like that and we don't don't have that jordy's just a big body inside um sissoko coming in and just a probably another big body inside so you know, it's it's hard. To, there's kind of that a gap between our our three three and our five right now. Hmm. Does anybody have Anthony Grant's number? I'll call him up. I'll tell him right now. Yeah, Christina's number, just because she's a you know a, a major a benefactor, big, a big time for, sponsor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, Speaking of which, we need to take a break uh, and have our sponsors play their messages here for a second. Uh, so, quick break here, thirty seconds. We'll be right back. real North Atlantic lobster roll from McDonald's, just $8.99 for a limited time. Okay, we're back here with the OCIC podcast. We're going to take a little turn here. We're going to start talking about what this podcast is actually about, which is the OCIC, the world's greatest open classic invitational championship. So I'm uh, going to grill Nolan and Tanner here because I want – what, what the people want, which is information. I think, I think our leaders have been very closed and, and, you know, behind the, behind the doors, they're not, they're not sharing a lot of information with us and I want to get to the bottom of it. So fellas, please indulge us, indulge me. I want to know why in the world we are taking this tournament to Cincinnati, Ohio next year. Tanner, do you mind if I uh, kick things off here? Please, no. Yeah, thank you. So uh, I want to step back just a half step, Joe, and and just say we we talked about this being the the biggest, at least for me and for it sounds like for you, the the most fun weekend of the marquee weekend of our summers. And that was really deliberate for us to pick a specific weekend every single year, year in and year out that people can look to. And the reason that is the case, and, and that has been a bit of contention for some folks is, you know, there's a lot of weddings that weekend and it's right before, yeah. um, you know, Labor Day. And so it, 
but I think it's between Tanner and I having the conversations of it's so important to have that consistency because if we just, it just becomes a logistical nightmare and really hard if we just pick a new date every single year. And so one thing that we're really confident in saying, I think we've we've garnered a little bit of that momentum for people to know that last weekend before Labor Day is always going to be the OCIC. Um, that's really important for us to continue on um, and that being the date. And because literally, if you look at my, my world calendar, Joe, the next five years out, <laughs> that date, no, that weekend is blocked <laughs> off. Like I just have it. And I hope that people get in that routine as well so that we don't have to worry about, oh, I can't take work off. I can't. It's like, no, you know what date it's going to be. You know the weekend. So there should be no excuse on on days off or not being able to get work off because it's it's that consistent time. Um, so Tina and I were really deliberate about making sure that as much as people said, oh, no, let's do a different weekend. Let's do this. I can't do it then. We just were really, really um, fervent. I would say the word fervent in uh, in making that the actual consistent date uh, year in and year That's out. That's a hell of a word, fervent. Fervent. I need to factor myself. I'm not sure if it's even a real word. <laughs> it makes sense if you don't think about it. So- I think that's a great idea. Let me just say, as one of the long-standing participants of this great Open Classic Invitational Championship, that knowing exactly when it's going to be without having to ask or without waiting for an announcement is is wonderful. Because like you said, I can block that out for the next five years. So big ups to you guys for, for sticking to that and doing that. And, you know, everyone every now and then is going to have something that weekend. You know, people know yeah. people and people who you know get married sometimes it happens so yep. you know, yep. we'll work around those things people may miss a year here or there but life will go on yeah um i however that's will right. never miss one so i just want that to go on the record so <laughs> that's, my man. that's my man and that's why you're doing your wedding earlier in the season well um, that yeah get to the golf game. uh we hope yeah uh, we planned it that way but uh, you know see what happens there oh man. so so i, I do want to Tina, i'll let you get a chance to talk through like our our process but i do think it's important to set up like how we got to the process we've got to we've gotten to so um it started joe with like me kind of on an island which like i of course i took in inputs from from tanner and took in inputs from dan and that sort of thing but i got a lot of uh a lot of heat for how I was put in. This is particular with the first year, like a lot of heat with how I put things together. And I got to a point where I was just like, look, I need a second person to be able to one brainstorm one, you know, uh, share some of the load of work and also share some of the fucking shrapnel I was taking from people. And, and as soon as like I really brought Tanner in, and I don't want to say like I brought him in, like as soon as we joined forces, it like the whole rigor and the whole process of the tournament, just took off to the next level. So I really mean this, like Tanner brought the OCIC to such a, a, an extra level with our sponsorships and with our process with, with picking courses and the process of engaging people um, before, during, and after the tournament. So it's really been a, a lot of, a lot of this has been on Tanner's shoulders bringing it together. You know, we started with like the, um, uh, the surveys every year. What'd you like about the tournament? Would you, you know, how much do you want to pay uh, for your rounds like where do you see yourself how far do you see yourself driving what dates do you want to do it and that really was for the first two years probably the right thing to do but we got to a point where it's like we were not gonna be able to do that every single year because the data would come back without any trends it'd be like three people said you know they want to spend twenty dollars on golf and then three people would say they want to spend a hundred on golf and there would be no trends in between so we just kind of said 
we need to make decisions and people are going to have to just live with it. And I know that sounds really, um, I don't know, short-sighted, but it just was for the betterment of the entire tournament overall. And so we made decisions about doing a Friday, Saturday, because we know that Saturday, Sunday, Sunday is a travel day and playing golf, a championship round in the morning, and then having people needing to drive into, uh, you know, I think that first year Joe was in Grand Rapids and you had to drive like six hours after playing a round of golf. Yep. Like, that's not the best way to do it. So we had to make kind of tough decisions, but I think now that we're in year two, or I guess maybe year, we're planning for year three of these tough decisions, we now have a lot of great momentum and as Tanner is going to talk about, like a great process for how we choose, how we select courses, cities, that sort of thing. Um, so I, I want to wrap that up really quickly and just saying that it was a lot of just trying to find random ways to get everyone's input, got to a point where Tanner got involved. And now we have a lot more rigor and process behind our decisions and how we make a tournament so great. Yeah. And before you go, Tanner, I, w- I just want to add obviously you guys have had to make decisions and, and not everybody always agrees with them. One of the, one of my favorite decisions I think was like, you just talked about the, the championship Saturday and starting on a Friday instead of the Sunday. I think that was one of the best things you did. I know that you, I know you caught some flack from, from probably multiple people, but mm-hmm. just personally, I thought that was an awesome, an awesome call. So. Yeah. Thanks Joe. Yeah, Joe, I don't know if you noticed there's a trend there with what Nolan was talking about um, in terms of uh leadership here but uh <laughs> <laughs> the last two tournaments were better than the first two um no joe first of all i would like to say as an elected <laughs> official uh we are we try to represent our constituents to the best of our ability <laughs> um hey, so this, uh, that's really what it comes down to yeah as you mentioned elected official official when when is the next election just out of curiosity i want to <laughs> be able to everyone to know what it is no tenure Ten years? Okay. All right. So mark that on your calendars. Twenty twenty six we'll be having an yeah. election. So yeah. even campaigns here. will get campaigns will get started here soon. Yeah. Think, so. <laughs> um Dana, you were saying. So in terms of actually selecting cities, is that where we want to go with this? City selection? Host yeah. site selection? For sure. Yeah. So that I mean that's that's what it kind of revolves around. Yeah, to get things going and i think every time every year at what i think 1201 on january 1st nolan and i text each other and say hey happy ocic planning <laughs> season you know because <laughs> it, it officially it officially kicks off uh, at the turn of the new year so i know there was a bit of instability around y2k we weren't really sure what was going to happen <laughs> when the clock struck midnight there but uh we got our feet back <laughs> on the ground but no, every year at twelve oh one on January first, we are we're starting the planning. We're starting the thinking of okay, where are we going to have the tournament? You know, what's going to make sense for everybody involved? What's going to make sense for just course selection? And um, and a lot of it comes down to logistics for people. Um, obviously, most of our constituents live in the Midwest, so right now in these first handful of years, our goal is obviously to keep the OCSC in the Midwest to make it easy on people's travel. We don't want people to have to fly if they don't have to, you know, I know Mike Douglas ended up flying to Pittsburgh uh, a couple of years ago, which was awesome of him because living in Wisconsin at the time, that's really all he could do. Um, but other than that, you know, we try, we want to make these drivable for people because that's just cheaper, cheaper option and easier option um, at this point. So always start in the Midwest. I know last year we did take a survey on Friday night, everyone wrote down two host sites, 
or whatever they wanted, what they thought would be good host sites. And we took that into consideration. The overwhelming majority was a particular city, but we did not go with that city. And that was based on just more research into courses and logistics and things like that. So we had to go to okay, our time out. option. Time out. I'm submitting a Freedom of Information Act request here. Um, <laughs> what was the number one city vote? I want to know. The people want to know. Noel, are we allowed to release that information? I think we can release that because we have a legitimate reason why we're not doing the, the vote. And I think it's important for people to know the, there was a deliberate reason why we didn't go with the most voted on city. And yeah, so the number one voted on city was Columbus, Ohio. And we were fully intending to have this year's OCIC in Columbus, Ohio. However, after doing my golf course search and research and just looking at logistics of things, Columbus just did not scream great host for an OCIC site. So Nolan and I both looked into it and hard. We both went back and forth and just said, you know what, I don't, we didn't get a good feel for Columbus pretty much. So we went to our second most voted on site, which was of course, Cincinnati, Ohio, which just offered a little better course selection um, and logistics for, for people getting there and things like that. So that, I don't know, that that's kind of where, how we landed on Cincinnati because we were originally were, were looking at Columbus, but Cincinnati just had a little bit better option for what the OCIC needs in terms of courses. So, so, so two things. One, I was curious if you took the poll that you did last year seriously, basically, because I know I don't think I wrote down any serious answers at all. So I was curious to see, I think my first pick was like Juneau, Alaska, which I think they probably <laughs> have great golf there for like a week Definitely. out of the year. <laughs> so if, if that yeah. happened to coincide, I was just thinking maybe this yeah. would have been good. But um, you can table so yeah. another year, Joe. That's no problem. <laughs> uh, second note, I think you're trying to let me down easy because I'm sitting in Columbus, Ohio right now. <laughs> but I want you to know that you don't have to do that. Yeah, that, that, was, that was hard. Because I, th <laughs> I think, you know, honestly, I, I thought about Columbus, you know, for the past few years. And to me, knowing the courses around here, I, I couldn't come up with two that I thought, damn, these would be great for the, for the uh, you know, <clears throat> invitational, the Open Classic Invitational Championship. And that's exactly what we were finding, Joe. Yeah. It's like great validation to hear that because we, frankly, like we had a long conversation where like, this is what people voted on. And if we go against this, we have to be very deliberate with telling people why. And I think through this podcast, Joe, like you saying that is great validation for our decision. And I think we, we picked some awesome courses in Cincy and it's a great city and I'm really pumped to have it there. Um, but we knew we were going to be, you know, making some people upset because um, Columbus is a great city and a great place to gather, just not the best place for public golf. Yeah, it's um, like you, the, the word you said there was public. I think there's like, for whatever reason, all the best courses here, which all the best courses anywhere are going to be private, but there's just not that many public courses that are of like private quality, I think, which right. is kind of what you guys look for. And that's kind of what we've played historically. So yeah. that's, that's what I was finding was every great course I was coming across just happened to be private, you know, 
Um, mm-hmm. There was no public tracks that just jumped out to me, you know. So now let me add that at some point we're bringing this tournament to Columbus, and that's not really up to you guys. <laughs> but hey, well, wait. When after our ten years are up, Joe, you can. Yeah. Okay. Twenty twenty six. Mark your calendars. Weekend, the weekend, but what is it? The weekend before Labor Day? It is. Yeah, look, we're not telling you. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. <clears throat> but so the, the other thing I think that's important to mention is is Tanner took the lion's share of the the research this year, and we've kind of formulated a a plan um, that whatever captain loses the previous year's OCIC has to do has to run point we'll say that has to run point on the research for the next year's tournament and because our good friend and awesome trustee putter mr jared Dvorsky, made the putt to win the ocic for the blue team in sudden death putt off um, that would mean tanner had lost for a second year in a row um, so he is doing lion's share of all the research so just to give the, the folks context around why tanner's the one doing all the hard work it's because he can't perform. He can't have his team perform on the golf course. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I guess that's that's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> looking back, for everyone who may not have been at every year like I have, the very first year, or should I say the the zeroth year, mm-hmm. was Nashville, Tennessee. And that actually was, we don't call it year one because it was on New Year's Eve or New Year's. Yeah. New Year's Eve, right? I think it was New Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Which was unexpected. Um, The whole thing was kind of born by accident, I would almost say. I mean, we did it on purpose and the whole thing happened, but it almost didn't happen. Yeah. I think is what I'm getting at. But anyways, my point is Nashville. And then we went to Grand Rapids the next year. And then Pittsburgh and then Indianapolis. So just a quick history for those who don't know, but also to support the point that basically we're looking for, you know, big Midwestern cities that everybody can get to um, that have the courses, like you said. So just supporting what you guys are saying about, you know, what you look for in a, in a city to host the event. Yeah. And a lot of it and, recently, and- well, at least in years past has revolved around the fact that, um like grand rapids we went there because you know dan lived there and um matt shea lived there you know like we we wanted to go there because we knew people that were there pittsburgh you know sean's parents lived there and jt lived there and you know it, it was an easy way for people to have lodging and things like that um having some boots on the ground and uh, people's homesteads like helps kind of drive people or drive where a location is to I know Indy didn't have, I was living in Indy at the time that we planned all that and was expecting to still be in Indy, um, but had moved before last year's event. But that was also another drive as well, was just the fact that there are people living in that area. Yeah, and I think it's like, it's important for the listeners to know that like, we don't just look at golf courses. We don't just look at cities. Like, it's definitely the balance of both because there's a lot of amazing golf courses in like Fort Wayne, Indiana, but you know, we could, we could put on an excellent tournament in Fort Wayne, Indiana, 
but there's nothing to do in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And if we know that with 24 guys, like 12 of them are there for golf, but 12 are there just to hang out with buddies. And we always want to find a place that is going to facilitate like us going out and celebrating on Friday and having a fun, you know, bar night out in the town. And so it's like, it's kind of streamlined our, um, our decision process to only a handful of cities. And, um, you know, we, we've thought about if, is it okay, Tanner, to talk about other things that were on the table? In terms of like this year's decision and next year's decisions and so on and so forth. Don't mention cities yet. Okay. No cities are going to be mentioned. We, uh, we do have, we do have a five-year plan in place with a five-year uh, plan. Wow. An outlook on cities. So we don't really don't want to disclose that information. That's fair. Well, oh, you know, to be to be fair, the the NFL announces Super Bowl locations at least five years in advance. So let's lock them in. <laughs> well, Ready? here we go. Twenty twenty one. Give it to me. What's twenty twenty one? See, Dayton? That, are we going back fine. to Dayton? That's on, fine, guys. Joe. But we don't want to announce it because we think there's there's a fun excitement with announcing it in the spring every year yeah, to okay. get people that's you know, a excited decent to talk point. About. But I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle some off here. Louisville? Or are we looking at Louisville? Blink twice if we're looking at Louisville. Can I raise my hand? That's a yes. Charlotte, how far south are we willing to go? Back to Nashville? <laughs> Chicago. Oh, Chicago's got to be on the list. Okay. Just Don't say anything if Detroit is an option. <laughs> I mean, okay, you don't have to you don't have to give anything away now. You say you have a five year plan, I don't believe you, but there's only so many cities that fit the bill, right? At some point here, we're gonna end up going back to cities, is all I'm saying. Yes. So we actually do. Tanner and I have a Excel file that I'm not sure we've shared with anyone else and plan not don't plan to. Where he has two tabs actually. It's a five year and a ten year plan. So that's actually Holy legit. Um but yeah, I think uh, it's we'll have to make a decision a few years down the road whether we recycle cities or we get to a point where we can extrapolate outside. I think another reason why we wanted to keep it within the Midwest is knowing people are still relatively early in their careers. I know we're five, you know, five years out of school, but you know, we have people who are in med school and still paying off loans. And I think as we get older and more into our you know, the throes of our career, like we can probably facilitate a trip to a city that's going to require some flights or a destination type uh, city or destination type course. So those things are not out of the question down the line, Joe. So while there could be decisions made about recycling cities, there also is equally some decisions that could be made about doing something maybe at more of a destination, um, you know, destination wedding, <laughs> destination uh, regrouping of a rendezvous of folks. Okay. So that's a juicy little tidbit there, a little insight into the future where the OCIC committee is, thinking and looking in the future. But I think the the point I wanted to just make in, in all of that is like we look at this with a, a really broad viewpoint, a broad lens. Like it's not just finding two cool courses. It's finding two cool courses that are close enough in proximity to a place where we can hang out and have fun that is close to everyone. So it's not just like us arbitrarily in our treehouse picking out courses we want or cities we want. We take all those things into account. And much like this year, like what had happened was it's not us just picking courses and hoping for the best. It's let's look at the city. Let's look at the area first. And then we're going to start pinpointing some courses and see if there's courses that match up with what we want to do. Um, like I said, for this year, no courses matched up or were in line with what we really wanted and what we were looking for. So we had to 
readjust. We had to pivot and uh, go a different direction and find a city, you know, of, of equal, I guess, entertainment value and that kind of thing. Um, but also find the courses that were right for the OCIC and hopefully we've <laughs> delivered on what we picked. So, All right. So for 2025, I can pencil in uh, Pebble Beach. Or... <laughs> Jerry, what, what would be your, let's see, 2020, <laughs> what's the year that you're going to take over, uh, take the reins, 2026? Uh, 2026, yeah. So 2026, we're now 10, 11 years out of college. Where where are you putting the OCIC? Um. Man, twenty twenty six. I'm gonna say, my guess is somewhere south, um, like along the coast, Charleston, Myrtle Beach, a lot of golf down that way. Hmm. Middle of August, Myrtle Beach. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, we can't take the heat. Stay out of the kitchen. Or if you want to go the other way, we'll go up to like Boyne Mountain up up in Michigan, up near the the Uper up Ooh. that way. Ooh, you know I'm in for that. But I think we hit that yeah. sooner. But hey, that might just be wishful thinking. Well, well, Joe, I do know uh, September weekend of September eighteenth, you're coming up with us uh, for that mini golf trip, correct? Uh, it's in my calendar. My man, my man, Tanner. Obviously, you're welcome, but I know you won't come. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm busy that weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be sick that weekend. And. Based on the fact that nobody else is going to listen to this, you don't have to invite anyone else. So you're in the clear there. <laughs> uh, that's right. But uh, you know, I, I am. I, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. If you wanted to continue on, I just wanted to say, like, I'm. I am really excited for Cincy. I think it's going to be like the courses are great. There's a lot of great topography. We know uh, people in the area. We know it's a great city, and um, I'm. I'm really pumped for it. And it's not too bad of a drive for anyone. Yeah, me specifically. So I appreciate that. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, if you know, if we played in Columbus, I could maybe drive half an hour, and you know, people could stay at my house. But Tanner doesn't want to stay at my house, so nope. that's fine. Um, yeah, Cincinnati. And while we're on the topic of Cincinnati, we are going to do, you know, in our next episode here, we're going to do, you know, we we'll do a full-on preview of the city of Cincinnati for those who are not familiar, as well as you know, some more specifics on the courses, and we'll talk about all that. Um, so that'll be coming at a future date. But uh, I do want you guys to know that I'm going to submit a FOIA request for that five to 10 year plan. Since I know it exists now, you ha- will have no choice but to release that information. See, I think it's, I think it's classified right, as, as of now, Joe. Well, that's for the lawyers to decide. <laughs> <laughs> you may want to get your ducks in a row. My people will be calling yours. But um, <laughs> that's another conversation for another time. so actually joking aside joe we tanner and i did think about um trying to file as a 501c3 um because we put together a full like a full balance sheet about um the the expenses and everything like that and and i think we could get a lot of really awesome tax breaks from um from perhaps from courses if we were an actual entity and i haven't done the the heavy duty due diligence and research into that. But we've like kind of like joked around about that and thinking about um, making this a legitimate entity. So, if, so if for you... the, for the people at home who don't know what a 501 D three is, I obviously know. So you don't have to explain it to me, but for the people <laughs> at home, could, could you go ahead and elaborate on what exactly that means? It's, it's just like a tax entity. So like your org- large organizations are S corps. So they file for their taxes as an S corp and there's specific 
um, limitations and opportunities as filing for an S-Corp that you get. There's also LLC, limited liability companies, that a lot of smaller companies offer or sole proprietorships. Now, with that, there's also nonprofits. So 501c3 is a nonprofit tax entity. So that means that you get a lot of benefits of being a nonprofit, a lot of tax benefit, tax write-offs. Like you don't have any sales tax, anything that you use uh, as it relates to running your organization. So to make like individual dollar amounts less for people would be helpful that we can go to sponsors and go to um, clubs and the food we get at clubs and do it as tax exempt and actually make the per dollar amount for person. Uh, I don't know about a lot cheaper, but maybe cheaper, cheaper enough to get some, some more dollars flowing through. Um, so that's, that's what a 501c3 is. It's good to know. And uh, obviously, like I said, I knew that, but um, <laughs> I'm glad that you elaborated for, for the folks at home. Um, what about, you ever thought about making it like something charity related or, or in some aspect raising money, anything like that? You know, T- Tanner, I'd love to get your, your take on this too. I think it's been brought to our attention to make it like a more alumni broader type thing. I mean, charity thing obviously would be awesome. I think the argument against that is I don't, I I want this to be a trip where people can just come and let loose and, you know, have fun and drink a bunch of beers with, with buddies. And I, and I think to that point, I also don't want to make it too big. I think if you want to do something like a donation, that's where you need to have like numbers in the eighties and the hundreds where you're like, you know, getting the entire golf course reserved for you. And I don't know that I would want to do that. And I'm happy to, to be pushed anywhere different Tanner, but I just think keeping it at a, a number that's small enough to keep a little bit of community, a little bit of camaraderie with folks I went to school with um, and allow people to just feel like it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out and playing fun, competitive golf. That's my argument against it. I would love to have it be a donation thing and donate it to specific charities, but I just think it's such a special thing as it is. And I, I don't want to see a day where it becomes a lot ballooning into something that it isn't. Right. I agree. No, I'm, I'm on, I'm bored with Noel there. <clears throat> um, we, I mean, we, we created this as a way to get buddies together from college, right. And have a fun weekend, play some golf in the meantime. Right. So that's really all it will ever be, I think. Um, and having that camaraderie and so the, the prices where they're at right now, just in terms of the courses we're playing and everything we've, we put into it in terms of tea gifts and, and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I, I, we hate asking for more money too. And if we had to, if we were doing it for charity, we'd be asking people for a lot more money to try to give to some charity right now. So maybe it's something, like I said, part of the, 10 to 15 year plan. Maybe we, we can look into that, but well, don't, I mean, don't look past six years. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <that's laughs> right. Six years in the tenure. I'm sorry, Joe, but uh, yeah, no, we're so setting I, precedence here today, which is fun <laughs> for me, but keep going. No, just say, we, we kind of like where it's at numbers wise, anywhere from that, like, you know, obviously 24 is the, the perfect number just for foursome wise and team wise, 12 versus 12. And, but anywhere from that, like 16 to 24 mark is kind of where our wheelhouse, I think, for this event. Okay. So I was going to ask too, what, what our, you know, ideal number of people is. So you said at 24, I think so 24. that's, yeah. So that's six foursomes, two teams of 12. 
Um, so that works out best in, in, in your uh, ideal plan. Yeah, I think twenty four for us for sure, and I think for courses too. Like when you go to when you go to a number like twenty four, courses look at that as you can get like we can get price efficiencies at that. If we had a group of ten, like the course would probably not be as likely to give us the economies of scale uh, discount of because you're bringing this many people to the course, we'll give you this much off. Twenty four seems to be at least in our experience between Tanner and I like the number that gets courses like, Oh yeah, we can give you guys a little discount. Cause you're bringing the, you're yeah. guaranteeing this many guys are going to be on the course. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, yeah. They're, they're less likely to throw in our free lunch, you know, between rounds. If we say, yeah, it's just 10 dudes out playing golf. But like the way we present it is like, we're this outing event, you know, that has 20 plus 20 to 30 people that are going to be playing. Like we, we do this Ryder cup style, you know, it's a big event kind of thing. We're, we're an alumni kind of <laughs> group. Um, you know, it presents the course that we're we're a more more legitimate group to where they're going to give us some breaks. Mm-hmm. Right? They should. They would be lucky to have us. That's right. And, yeah, and, in fact, they should be paying us to bring our event there. <laughs> I think that's how you guys need to approach this. Maybe twenty twenty one. That's my recommendation. That's it. <laughs> you know, I don't know how uh, how many more questions Joe you have, but I I do want to say be. Well, let me say there, is there any more specific questions about our process or behind the scenes before I serve up this last, last bit? Uh, the, the other question I had was, is your, so are we, is the lineup set? I mean, do we have, are we at capacity? Where, where do we stand on that? Crickets. No, no. (laughs) Are we even close? I mean, what does that mean? Well, we typically... Obviously, we always going into each year. We have a general idea of who wants to be involved, who's going to be involved that year. But nobody ever, like like we've talked about before, we have this on a set date every year. But for some reason, people seem to not put it on their schedules, and people have to back out last minute, kind of thing. So we don't typically find out final numbers until when we start asking for money, which is why we went to the online payment platform yeah. last year, because that essentially reserved your spot. So we knew the exact numbers that are coming in so we could help plan teams better and know what's coming in and what's not. So that, that held your place. And that's what we're going to continue to do this year. Cause it was a good system. We think to do that. So, I mean, we're not going to know until the summer, I guess, until we start bringing that in. Okay. So mm-hmm. I may be the only one who like, is fully committed right now already. You don't no. even have to think about it. I there's mean, probably not. There's plenty of guys, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're at three, so there's room for 21. No, so <laughs> the point I was trying to make is obviously there's an ideal candidate for someone who plays in the Open Classic Invitational Championship, and that is basically someone who went to Dayton. And what other – you know, restrictions or requirements or, you know, if there's people out there who are thinking, oh, well, I, I could invite this buddy, but I don't know if he qualifies. So what what is your ideal candidate or, you know, who do you recommend that we are actively seeking to participate? That's a great question, Joe. Um, I think went to Dayton and has a set of golf clubs, <laughs> I think are my only two criteria. Is willing to travel. Yeah, is yeah, willing to travel and has about $250 to spend. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know. I think like we when we look at this tournament, what's fun for us, and I'm being so serious, like it's fun for us to have guys that are lights out really good, 
and it's equally as fun to have guys that are dog shit at golf. Like it's it's just so fun to like strategize pairings. It's fun to draft. And so literally, like no matter what your skill skill level is, like you are welcome to come to OCIC so long as you A, have a set of clubs and B went to the University of Dayton. Um, I don't know how you feel, Tanner, but like I, I don't want to have a tournament where it's like all ringers, where like it's like crazy competitive and everyone's shooting, you know, around par. Like I don't find that to be I think the idea of having just a full like spectrum of talents makes this such a unique and such a fun event. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think um it kind of has led to some unexpected or, or some fun results in, in a couple of the past tournaments. So yeah, that's yeah, uh, Tanner, do you have a thought on that? No, I mean I completely agree with you. Yeah, Dayton grad obviously is number one criteria. And yeah, I guess I don't know anything I don't know anything beyond that really. Um obviously, you know, it, it started out with a group of buddies, right, taking that Nashville trip. So like everyone knew each other, right? That that's kind of what it was, a buddies trip. We've grown it now to kind of combined different circles in a way um which has been fun and you know i think people everyone's gotten along it's been a, a blast so obviously we continue to bring new people in and we love having new people and i think it makes it more fun um but yeah i mean show us your degree first and then we'll then we'll talk so. <laughs> yeah I, I it's my favorite moment of every year when i whip that diploma out and you know <laughs> prove my allegiances before we form allowed to get that first uh, bucket of range balls and start warming up. Yeah. So note, note to all potential contestants, make sure you have your diploma with you. Yeah. Your packing list. Find yourself head back home without playing any golf. You know, that's exactly. I mean, that would be just, um, You know, one thing Joe, I wanted to just share, and um, you know, absolutely no joke to this at all. Tanner and I have like texted back and forth over the last two years, and more formally this last year, with like the notion of we have created something that like gets people fired up about the game of golf, and that like it makes me really proud. It makes I think Tanner and I really accomplished that we like were able to create this platform to allow people to have that competitive spirit, have a a love for the game of golf and a love for competition. Like we'll get guys that are texting us with like, here's how our swings are looking this year. And they're they're doing that like to show a stock value, but, but B show like their excitement for the tournament. And like, I always joke and I'm like, Tanner, dude, we have created something that like no one would have this level of interest in golf. At least this person, this particular person, would have not the same level of golf if it wasn't for the OCIC that we created. Like we really built this, um, this really fun, exciting and competitive platform for people to be able to, to utilize. And that like, that is so fun for me and so fun for us and so fun for, I think the entire group to have this one thing where people can actually like scratch those itches of competitive juices at the same time, it being really fun. So I'm just, I, I, I live for this. And I know you do too, Joe, and I know Tanner does as well. A lot of other guys do, but, this is the type of thing that I love being a part of. I love thinking about it, like talking with guys about how they're playing and, and how they're they're doing and prepping. And it's just, it's a blast for, for me. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's phenomenal. And I can't commend you guys enough for, you know, the effort that you put in year after year. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine doing the planning that you guys do, you know, in your 
spare time or limited spare time or whatever. So um, it's like we said earlier, this is the one kind of event or, or golf event that I look forward to all year round. I mean, from I'm talking from the week after, you know, last year's tournament ends, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one, you know? And so it, it gets bare for a few months and then you hear, okay, here's the city, you know, here's the city announcement. And then you start getting the juices flowing and then March, April comes around, you get to start playing golf. And um, I think it's, it's awesome what you guys have created. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you that uh, you should be proud of it. Um, and, and uh, I'm happy that I get to be a part of it. Yeah. Rock and roll Joe. It, it's it, like, it's made possible because of guys like you who like, it's, it's not getting guys to come one year. It's guys who like have consistency of showing up. And so between you, Jordan, I'm trying to think of who else has been there every single year. Uh, not Brad. That was another first year. Let the record show. He was not involved in the first that year. It seemed like a, like a shot fired. A dig? Oh, it was a dig. I didn't. He wasn't on my team this past year. He might be this upcoming year. We'll have to see how he plays. But I think between you and, you and Jordan, you're the only two that have been there every year besides Tanner and I, right? Yeah, Dan missed Pittsburgh, I think. So Dan missed Pittsburgh. Otherwise, he would have been. So if anybody out there uh, has been every year um, and feels slighted that we don't know of, go ahead and uh, send us a tweet, send us a text, send us a, a Facebook, an Instagram, whatever. Um, and you have earned the right by us sliding you to be our first interview on our, um, what will be episode two when we, when we first do our interviews, uh, you've earned that right. I don't think you exist. So I, I'm pretty sure I'm talking to nobody <laughs> right now, which yeah. is something I've made a habit of. Um, but that's between me and my doctor. So, <laughs> um, with that in mind, um, so what, what's next? So we've announced the city. We've announced the court. We, I say we, but you guys have announced the city. Yeah, um, the team, the, the committee has announced the city, the courses. So what are, what are we, when can we expect more? Uh, we're craving content. Uh, the people are craving information. <laughs> we, we, all we think about is the OCIC and we want to know when we can have more. Tanner. <laughs> uh, you'll get more when we, Please, when we so choose, Joe. So, I think we're okay, so. During okay, COVID, I'm looking less for <laughs> specifics and more for a generic. What's next? Uh, what's next is surviving COVID nineteen. I think we're all we're all hunkering down <laughs> right now. Um, honestly, my my work right now would normally be trying to set sponsorship up for the tournament. Um, however, with the whole restaurant bar situation going on right now and them not doing so hot and being closed down all over the place. Now is not the time to be able to be reaching out <laughs> to, uh, to restaurants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting kind of little facet of this is, yeah. you know, you wouldn't think this little golf outing in, in August, you know, four or five months away, whatever it is would be affected by, what's going on right now in the current climate. But the, the truth or the reality is that, you know, right now you would be reaching out to people for, for that sort of thing to set that up and, and you can't do that. Right. I'd be, I'd be trying to solidify sponsorship and it just goes to show you all corners of the world, Joe, are affected by this, this whole pandemic thing. So yeah, that, that's what would be going on right now. So we're just kind of waiting till this dies down for me to hit that hard. Other than that, it's going to be more of, just digging into 
making sure our payment system is working and looking at T-GIFs and what, what we can do in terms of the, the gifting and the, the Snapchat stuff and, and all that. Yeah, another thing too is this won't be later until late. We'll have, I'm sure, a few other episodes between now and then. But one thing that's on our calendar, almost as important to the OCIC tournament, is the draft, and that draft is is going to happen at some point between June and July. Now that's contingent upon anything that happens with um, the outfall of COVID, but um, that's something. So last year I went down to Nashville and we played our one-on-one tournament to to select or to find out who gets the first pick, which is also a really fun thing for him and I to do. Um, so went to his hometown, his home course. Uh, I kicked his ass. Um, so I got the first uh, first pick, which was Nate Kropp. But this year is going to be up in Detroit. So Tanner's coming to my home course, my club, uh, Western Golf and Country Club uh, in Redford, Michigan. Uh, and we'll, we'll have our, our draft at some point mid between mid-June and mid-July is probably when we'll end up having it. We haven't decided that, but that's also looming in the in the forefront of our minds as well. Is is that draft day and um, uh, and and one-on-one match play? <clears throat> okay, so we've got a few months to kill until the next <laughs> real major uh, <laughs> milestone. Yeah, so that's what we're here for. You know, that's why we're doing this is to you know, to kill those three months that we got to kill. So. Joe, this is the connective tissue between the milestones. Okay, this podcast is serving as a connective entity to make us whole. I think um, connective entity is one of the nicest things I've been called this week. So I, w- I want to thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is fun, man. I, I really, I really enjoy this, and um, I'm really excited to have some other uh, participants on the podcast talking about their experience because all we know is our experience from you know, a leadership, quote unquote, leadership perspective and playing in the tournament. But I would love to hear, and I can't wait to hear people's perspectives on what they've thought about individual years and, and what things they really appreciate about this tournament. And I'm, I'm really pumped for the next episodes coming up. Yeah. So that's, um, that's a good point. And, and we want to throw this out there. You know, we're going to be doing a couple interviews and episode going forward is the plan. Um, so we're looking for, for those folks who are interested in, in giving their opinions. So, um, Ideally, former contestants in the Open Classic Invitational Championship. Am I saying that right? Is that the right order? Yep. Open Classic Invitational yeah. Champion. Sometimes you say it so much, you kind of question yourself. <laughs> right. The Christina Grant Morgan Miller Lotus Notes Memorial Open Classic Invitational Championship. Yes. What he said. So look for more information to come on that. Feel free to hit us up on our Instagram page on our facebook twitter whatever the kids are using snapchats all that tiktok so you guys are putting tiktoks out <laughs> not yet rage. no tiktoks that's not a part of the uh social media all platform right. at See, this point this is why you guys are gonna lose in six years <laughs> so anyways um this has been fun and we will have more for you in the coming months thanks for being with us fellas anything anything you want to add before we close out here no, Joe, I just love that this project is something you're taking on and really excited for the next next few episodes. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the work you're putting in here, Joe, and hopefully we give the people some good content here to keep them, keep them hyped up. I don't know about you guys. I don't know about you guys listening, but I had a good time, and this is only going to get better like a fine wine with age, and we will see you next time. 
Driving to the golf course, everything's divine. The rain clouds are parted and the sun begins to shine. I'm feeling almost heavenly deep down in my bones. I've been practicing all summer. Today's the day I'm going low. Walked into the pro shop, gave my partner a high five. Stepped up on the first tee and I hit the perfect drive. And like a dream, my second shot sat on the perfect line. I pulled out my eight iron and I let that sucker fly. Triple bogey with 17 holes to play. After I prayed all night, did I? Ended up beside the green, just above the pin. Looking down on the hole, planning to chip that sucker in. But when you know I chunked it, it went three feet to the right. That was something that I'll replay in my head all day and all night. I finally hit the dance floor. I was lying for lining up a downhill putt for a bogey, still a decent score. But when you know I killed it, it ran ten feet past. I was putting for double uphill, not any closer than my last. And I missed the putt, only the first hole, and I'm already gonna show my. Start drinking beer. The round for me was over. It was time to start drinking beer. Triple bogey with 17 holes to play.
Oh, what was that? That was interesting. What was that noise? Fresh beer. Fresh truly. Well, you said beer, so. It's truly. It's truly what? Truly. A truly. Truly delicious. This portion of the show brought to you by truly. (laughs) Truly delicious. Truly delicious.